Listen to this. Zakamani, the flying winger. Here's Brad Evans. It's Steve. It's Steve. Who is it? It's Brad Evans. <laughs> Happy days are here again. Turning with a drive. It's Steve Zakamani. Evans with the left foot. He's an attacking threat, Brad Evans. This is so weird. The party has started. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Side by Side. Myself, Steve Zakwani, Brad Evans is here, Keeley's here as well. Big, big week for the Sounders. Portland Timbers, that game is still the one. It's still the one that sticks out. We're going to preview that, look forward to it. But before we go forward, we've got to go back because it's been quite an incredible start to the season for the Sounders, especially at home. And this past week was no different when they took on league leading at the time. LA Galaxy with Chicharito, who is in such great form. And the Sounders completely neutralized the Galaxy, scored three great goals again, three real, real team goals, and got the win. And it was very, very impressive. And I think it's the first time, I would say, for 90 minutes that both the defense and the attack worked how they should. I think the defense has come together more quickly in this formation, but the offense now began to really flow. And of course, We'll talk about the return of Nico Lodero, who came on and probably had the most touches of anyone, even though he played like half the time or less than that. Before we go any forward, Brad, your thoughts? I don't think we spoke since the game. Um, I mean, great win, obviously, but your thoughts? Yeah, great win. Uh, you know, Keely and I actually talked on Tuesday and I just said easy win. That was one of the easier wins that you're ever going to see on a, on a soccer field. Zero. That, and we've talked about this before. There's often times where, you have a tie and you come in, you're like, woof, we work for that one. You know, we work for that tie or um, even a win sometimes one, nothing like, wow, that was a tough game. But I think the guys literally jogged into the locker room after that one and kind of just gave a high five and went home and probably felt fresh the next day because it was that easy. You know, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of back in the day when we were just, you know, we're up two nil in the 70th minute. And then all of a sudden it was like this, almost putting on a show for the fans that last yeah, 20, yeah, 30 minutes. Yeah, Man, those, yeah. those were the best, right? Yeah. You have this easy victory. You still got some left in the tank. And then you see a couple guys on the sideline taking maybe one or two extra touches, a little flick here and there. You know, you keep the ball for five or six passes on one side. Yeah. the point of attack. Do it on that side. Come around. And it's just, it's so fun to be a part of those games. Yeah. Um, yeah. And those are the ones I just got chills right now thinking of that. Like, it's just, one of those ones that you remember and you just, you know, I'm watching at home. Like, do I really need to watch the game? Because right in the first 30 minutes, it's like, okay, I know exactly how this is going to go. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Well, and yeah. Galaxy didn't give up. I mean, they had like four subs going into the second half. They were clearly trying to make some sort of adjustment, but it just didn't really matter. I, I actually thought, well, they're, they're much better than they were last year without sure. question, especially sure. offensively. Offensively, they moved the ball well. They, they had the share of possession in the first half, maybe even the whole game. Um, just defensively is, is, is their biggest problem. They're too many gaps. It was too easy. Um, you know, all credit to the sound is the way, you know, the first two goals, all three goals really were real, real team goals. Um, defensively, we saw a change. Ariaga out, Yamar came in. I said on the air with Casey and Keith on the radio, when push comes to shove, I think that's the sound best back line. Um, what, what did you guys see from the back line? Ariaga, unfortunately, played himself out of the lineup after the last game at LAFC that we talked about, right? Mm-hmm. Getting caught flat-footed, facing, facing the field with both feet. That's like a automatic no-no as a defender. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we got to make decisions. And, and 
you have to win games. And so if this isn't high school soccer, I, I don't have to, you know, play certain guys. Like I have to make right. decisions who, who's going to win the game for me and uh, credit to the Sounders, you know, for the, for the coaches actually making that shift. Yeah. Do you guys remember if Yamar was playing on the right or if he was center in that? Yeah, Yamar was, was on the right. I think. Yeah. I think yeah. he was. Do you yeah. think that's his best spot or I do you think he'll move centrally? I, I was shocked because I thought it'd be Shane and yeah. Nuhu flanking Yamar. But yeah, I, was, I mean, it worked. I was a bit shocked because I think, yeah, Shane, she, like Brad said, Shane's quick. Shane got sat into the corners. He did it a few times against LAFC. Nuhu obviously loves to do it. Um, so yeah, I was a bit surprised by that. I think those two can probably interchange anyway. Nuhu's the one that has to be fixed on that left side. But I thought the back line worked really well. And it's the first time the wing backs, I think, I mean, Alex Rodon's crossing is fantastic. Um, Brad Smith seemed to be more, um, more comfortable. Um, as a wing back, he told us on the podcast that it's a bit weird not having someone in front of him to combine with, but I think he figured it out okay. And I thought Kellen Rowe was good. I thought you can see why they signed him. You know, he's not going to be a guy that maybe comes in and takes over the team, but he's an experienced MLS player. He can keep the ball. He can connect passes. He knows what it's about. So I thought the midfield was great. I thought Christian played that number 10 role fantastic. And what I liked, and I'm curious you guys thought, when Nico came on, they didn't change Christian's role they played two attacking mids and they had Joao Paulo and Kellen Rowe sitting for those two. And the two wingers, it almost looked um, as if two attacking mids playing right behind Raul. And it worked well because Nico did what Nico does. Christian still was able to make those runs in behind and be busy knowing he had the cover of Joao Paulo and Kellen Rowe behind him at the time, um, two players and then eventually Danny Lever. So is that something we can see going forward where you actually start with one striker but you're playing the two behind him, Christian, who does it in his own way, and then Nico, who's Nico, is going to track the board. But I thought that the Galaxy didn't figure it out. When those two came on and kept that formation, I thought it was a great move by the coaching staff. I just wonder, can we see that going forward? Or is it too much to keep both Will Bruin and Freddie Montero on the bench? Yeah, I, I don't think you'll see that moving forward. I think you'll see that as a late-game shift from here. Yeah. You won't start that way. Um, the way that the team is rolling right now with with Will and Raul, if you can just keep building off that partnership, yeah, it's only going to become stronger, right? I don't think teams are going to be able to really figure it out. Right. Um, if anything, they would like to see just one up top. They don't want to see two up top because you don't look yeah. at Will and say, oh, he's not going to beat me for speed. But the reality is, is Will can turn you in and beat you for speed. All right, guys, so we talked about that LA Galaxy easy win. Uh, who is your man of the match? Steve, you first. Um, Will Bruin. Will Bruin. Um, didn't get on the score sheet, but was involved you know, in the first two goals. And his involvement was pivotal, very critical. His touches, the way he moved defenders out to the wide areas, played a wonderful through ball. Um, the goals don't happen without his play. And I think it's just as us for a player who started the season very well, has a better touch than we think he does. He'll get his goals every now and then, but now he's adding the assist and the second assist. Um, Wilbring was fantastic at the weekend. All right, Brad, who's yours? I mean, just watching Raul work was just fantastic. I mean, the pressure he put on, the fact that he does not stop for 90 minutes. He never puts up his hand after he scores a goal. He doesn't go down and stretch his calf to say, yeah, I need to come off, I've done my work. He puts in a 90 plus minute effort and celebrates with his teammates. Is the first to you know jump over the wall and go celebrate with the young guys. Like I just look at the bigger picture there and think, man, this guy really was uh, the man that match. And to score two goals uh, and to continue putting pressure on that defense, celebrate with your teammates and others. Um, I thought his touches were for the most part 
spot on in the game and just did his job uh, to a perfection as a number nine there. Uh, rebuttal, Steve, tale of two strikers, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because Raul, that's what Raul does, right? He might have 10 touches in the game and two or three of them in the back of the net. So he's a very unique player in that sense. Um, and I watched him and Chicharito on the very similar players, but in this game, Raul came out on top and I think showed again why he's so valuable to this team. Um, I go with Will for this week because Will's not going to get um, the limelight as much as other players. And the work he's done, he did it against Minnesota, where he had a great role in one of the goals, and he did it again. It's a, he's adding to his game as well, where Will now is getting more involved in the build-up. He's showing he can play next to a striker next to him. I think it suits Will down to a T, and I think he's bringing players into the game in a way that not many can do, and not many of us thought Will Brin himself could do. Brad, yeah, not, not, yeah, not much of a rebuttal for Will, just the fact that, um, you know, as a number nine, I expect, or whichever role you want to put him as. Uh, mm -hmm. I expect a little bit more, whether that's going to be real service and real combination with the other striker. Um, but from, I mean, you can't go wrong with either one, I suppose. Yeah. Oh God, this is tough. Um, you know what swayed me? I'm going to go with Will Bruin. And I'm. <laughs> the point is because Steve mentioned that he's not always going to see the limelight and let's give it to him while he's still there. Uh, but really, I mean, you're gonna get man of the match so many times, bro. I, like, I, I think yeah. he got. He probably, he probably got the official man of the match too. Right? Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, he go. was on social and all that stuff. But good go. debate, guys. Good. What's up, everyone? Welcome back. Myself here, Steve Zakwani, Brian Evans still here. I'm delighted to say that we are joined by friends of the Sounders and now friends of the podcast. I was just playing their music this morning. We're going to get into that. Um, the Black Tones, Seattle's own. Welcome, guys. Hello. Thanks for having us, guys. What's up, you guys? So glad to be here. So glad. No, so um, it's great. To have you both on here um very very excited about this so you were part of the kit collaboration with the sounders and all of that stuff um obviously it's a jimmy hendrix inspired jersey um, one of seattle's greatest icons and i know he's a big inspiration for why you two even exist as you do so in the music space um can you talk a little bit about what jimmy hendrix meant means to you and how or why he was so inspirational yeah well for me spe specifically uh, we're 90s kids <laughs> and so we kind of grew up watching whatever our, our older siblings were watching on MTV and um, you know that music was really cool like rock and roll music and my first like rock hero really was Alanis Morissette and I just and it was cool because like cool female representation but looking at the rock scene it was also still really white and so when I got into guitar in high school um, I mean I, I had black and white all kinds of people like whoa why are you you're playing guitar but you're black blah 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 so discovering Jimi Hendrix was like oh wait a minute haha -ha, I could do that yay <laughs> it was like it actually I think what it did is it opened doors that I didn't realize uh, existed. <laughs> um, it 
it inspired me to be like, yeah, okay, I can pursue this. This isn't, you know, because when you're a kid and you see the same kind of people, you think like, oh, maybe I aren't, maybe I'm not supposed to do it. And then you see Jimi Hendrix who just tore it up <laughs> better than a lot of people. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it was, that was the inspiration really for me to like continue on with, with guitar. And just like piggybacking off of that, like <clears throat> basically what Eva said, you know, to see like a black man and from Seattle, you know, you're kind of like, oh, well, double whammy. You know, not only do you look like me, but you're also from the same city as me. And like, you know, sharing same, some of the same sentiments as Eva, like when I was younger, you know, I listened to a lot of rock music, but I kept it a secret, you know, because I didn't want like some of my friends to be like, oh, what are you doing listening to rock music? And like, I, did, I know I didn't. I didn't necessarily have to do that, but initially I was like in my own head about it. Right. I was like, Oh, I don't think I should be doing this. You know, like maybe I should keep this to myself, you know, but you know, times have changed. And like, even said, people like Jimi Hendrix and I know like when we had shows in the past, like Eva did a great job at teaching the audience, but also her brother, she would start talking about Led Zeppelin and some of these older bands and she would break down the history of rock and roll. And then you started to realize that, oh my God, like we're doing the blackest thing ever right now. You know what I mean? Like if you get into like old blues and like a lot of these artists that a lot of those, you know, classic rock artists were inspired by. So like, it's, it, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. And when it comes to children, ev like everyone deserves representation. I wouldn't wish for this to be flipped at all. Like white kids deserve representation as much as black kids uh, deserve representation. Hispanic children, Asian, like children deserve representation of all um, cultures, colors, abilities, whatever. And so that's just super important to me. So I want to get into, you know, you just kind of touched on it about being a kid. But kind of that self-awareness of, hey, I am a black youth. I love rock music. And when did it shift to like breaking those barriers in your circle? Right. Like Cedric, you talked about it. Your friends you were you were a little bit embarrassed to say, hey, I listen to rock music. But when did that like mental shift become? It's OK. Right. I want to follow my passion, follow my dream and really just break that barrier. Was that self-awareness early or was it did it come later high school? And after that, when you really started to. Uh, get into it it definitely happened for me in, in high school um, that's what I was gonna because, say too yeah because mainly because that's when I started doing uh, I started going backwards because I was really into the whole British invasion thing like Led Zeppelin as Cedric said and the Beatles and the Rolling Stones I love the Rolling Stones um, and then I started to work backwards and I realized that they were inspired by a lot of, of, of American black blues mm. musicians like Rolling Stones named their song named their band after a Muddy Waters song. Right. So I think after that, when I realized that it was actually influenced by uh, our culture, American black culture, which is still a huge variety of things. But um, like the, the music in particular with the uh, blues music, I was like, oh, yeah, there's tons of because one of the things that stood out was when I got on the bus, a kid said, they saw me carrying a guitar and they said black people don't play guitar and so when i started going backwards though with history um i realized that there was a ton of black people that played guitar and so i think at that point brad to answer your question um like in the later years in high school like senior year uh, junior senior year i was like i'm gonna do this like i i love it enough like whatever and whoever sees me do it like i i, I don't i don't really care <laughs> at that point i was just more scared of singing in front of people rather than just being black like in rock and roll 
Yeah, and I, I agree with Eva. It was definitely high, like late high school for me. You know, I was using it more for like, you know, because I was a sports guy, right? I was playing for the, the team and I was listening to it to get me all pumped up and stuff. And uh, just to throw in a random fact here, like I was a huge wrestling fan as a kid. And like WWE or WWF at the time used a lot of rock music for like pay-per-views and stuff, you know? And like, that's what I was into. I was like, yeah, like this is, oh, this is awesome. You know what I mean? Like, so, and then as Eva started like, getting more into like the blues and stuff like it's what inspired me because like she would introduce me to these certain songs and stuff like that and then that's where I started to get my education right and then it got to the point where it was like well if you don't know the history behind it then like I feel actually more sorry for you you know what I mean so then I was a little more comfortable in my own skin right so what would your walkout music be for both of you guys, if you were like WWE wrestlers or athletes, oh like what God, would your walkout music be? Question. That is yeah, like that's the a really best good question. question. I, I liked wrestling in the late '90s, early 2000s. Attitude Era is one. Attitude era, era, yes. <laughs> uh, you know what? I've actually thought about this a lot, and I still don't have the song yet. Dang. I, I knew one day someone would ask me that, man. And I don't know. Like one of our own, or just any song ever to exist. Um, let's do one of your own. That might be a little easier. Oh, probably Woman in Black. Okay. Yeah. For me, it would probably be Mr. Pink. It's kind of quirky. <laughs> it's really weird. It's about my dad, but obviously I'm, you know, come from my dad as well. Perfect. But like, like Mr. Pink would be the, would be the one for me for sure. And I remember seeing Yokozuna back in the day. <laughs> and as a kid, you're like, what is that? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, live. there's a specific, like, it's like 1998, the first ever Judgment Day. And it was The Undertaker versus his brother. You guys Kane. got him started. I know, I know. This is going to be crazy now. I'm sorry, guys. And, like, Kane comes out and he's got this dark music and he does the fire thing. And I was just like, as a kid, I think I was just like at my darkest moment. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I, love that. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Uh, guys, I would say for, for those who haven't been privileged enough to hear your music, how would you describe your own music for someone who says, tell me what it sounds like? How would you describe that? Honestly, the the title of the debut record, which is exactly why we named it that, because the most common question is, what do you sound like? And you're just like, I don't know. So we were at a show in Bellingham and I kind of addressed that. I was like, yeah, people always ask us, like, describe your sound. And we're born and raised in Seattle, Washington, but our we're first generation Seattleites, but our entire family is from Louisiana, like down south. And so they brought their southernness with them <laughs> so it was a very kind of like southern upbringing under a northwest sky so i would tell people like i guess the best way to describe us is like kurt cobain and cornbread <laughs> so that's why we named the record the debut record cobain and cornbread and usually when i tell people that they're like i have no more questions i totally get it <laughs> I'm like, okay <laughs> are there um you know, you, you talked about playing sports when you were younger uh, a little bit. And then obviously we talked about this at the uh, the charity event. But has your have you turned on your soccer brain yet? Have you gotten into like offsides and oh, yeah. I played soccer first. It right. was the first sport that I started with. So I like I enjoy it. You know, I'm a fan. Uh, yes, I got pulled into basketball, you know 
don't hate me, guys. Don't cut my mic. <laughs> but, you know, I, I appreciate the game of soccer so much. And, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan, you know, like I, I, I'm a true fan of, of soccer for sure. And my the highlight of my soccer career is that I uh, Ced- I didn't play sports at all as a kid. I was a dancer, but I beat Cedric in the longest soccer game we've ever had as children. It was fifty to forty nine. So, oh my god, oh my god. we were like, oh, we're like, we're like wasn't on a team or anything. Like, we're like, but nine. I won. So, I have to yeah. get that tattoo right here. Maybe that's the, that's the title of the next album. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the ball was like flat. Let's, uh, let's not leave that out. Uh, that important oh, information. The younger um, one makes excuses. That's what we've learned today. <laughs> <laughs> and not competitive at all. <laughs> uh, you, you, you were part of the first, I believe, the first major concert in the city post-COVID. I think Safe and Sound Seattle. I want to ask about that experience, but then also just tell us, the fans, the consumers, what what is the best way to support musicians? Like, does it make a difference when I'm going to Spotify? Do I need to go and get your merch? Just tell us that because, of course, we'd love to blast this out and give as much support as possible. So, yeah. the concert, and then how best can we support? Um, the concert was great. I mean, it was freaking cold, but it was awesome, <laughs> and it was under a Boeing Boeing seven forty seven uh airplane and it was also really meaningful because again as you said steve it was the first concert back but also the whole reason our family i told you guys our family's from louisiana the whole reason our family moved to seattle in 68 69 is because um my grandfather got um or our grandfather got recruited to work for boeing here in washington and that's why we're in seattle and it comes from a long story of you know he worked in mississippi and um, was trying to get an engineering job down south. And in those days, he was told N-words aren't engineers. And so he could not get an engineering job. And so a, a recruiter from Seattle Boeing recruited, uh, saw, met him, saw him uh, in Mississippi. And we've been in Seattle since 68, 69. Wow. And so being musicians and playing the first concert back under something that represents like our grandfather's heritage so well was just like, almost too much i was like this is like am i gonna like get hit by a bus this is just work this is just working out way too well what does all this mean um (laughs) so um in that sense it was very meaningful personally and then of course with the 200 people that were there socially distanced super meaningful it was cold and they stayed out there and wanted to hear music um but yeah it was an incredible experience um I want to know that the your opinion on the parallels between music and sports. Um, you know, obviously, I'm partial to soccer and music, and you see it at football games, right? The crowd gets hyped up. Baseball games, certain player walks out to a certain song. Wrestling, they walk out to a certain song. But just Brazil, right? Whenever you see the Brazilian national team, they're on the bus, and it's just music nonstop. Going to the game, right after the game, music is such a big part of their culture and just that sport. And then you come to the U.S., and when we ride on the bus to game, no music, right? We had an old coach, Ziggy. No music. Just if you have your headphones on, that's fine, but no talking, no music on the way to the stadium. Wow. So just even the differences in within the same sport and just the idea behind how music can influence sports and soccer and and your thoughts on that on a on a bigger picture too uh, uh, if i could jump in like the parallels are tremendous and especially for me coming from somebody who you know was playing sports you know 
up in high school and a little bit through high school, uh, as a, as a teammate, you know, I'll use one example of like just the band and the team, right. As the team, I, I knew my role on the team, you know, I, I rebounded, I scored, you know, I was a defender, you know what I mean? And people ask Eva and I questions like, Oh, what's the dynamic between you guys and the black tones and stuff like that. It's like, that's kind of how, for me, we, we run the band. Like I have a role in the band. That's really important to Eva. You know what I mean? Just like Eva has a role that's really important to me. And that's why the band works so well. Cause we all know our roles and we, and we play it really well. Our, the bass players that we use that come in and play, they know their roles. They play it well. You know what I mean? Like they, they come in and they do their jobs. You know what I mean? Just, just like athletes are supposed to do. Right. And that's just from like the team aspect and the band aspect. Now from like performance, like we play off the crowd, you know what I mean? When the crowd's dancing and having a good time, that gives us more energy and we get, and we put out more to them and we play even better. Like, so like when you guys feed off the energy of the crowd, we feed off the energy of the crowd. You know what I mean? Like there's just so many similarities and those are just a few that when I, when I told Eva, I was like, Hey, I want to play drums and you know, let's, I want to do this for you. You know, like I took everything I learned from sports. Like sports was like a huge foundation for me, man. Like, and I even use it in my workplace too. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's something that was such a uh, an important part of my childhood to help kind of mold the person I am and, and help me, you know, learn how to uh, work with different people from different backgrounds and learn how to be a team and learn how to lose, right? Like, mm-hmm. n- not everything's going to go your way all the time. You know what I mean? Like, as the Blacks, I wouldn't say we lost, but we've, you know, we've been on different journeys. We played in front of two people and one people. And, like, you know, you learn how to get through those things. So, like... You know, I'm going on a rant here, but like, it's just, it's so important. You know what I mean? Like the two are so similar. And I think sports is so important with that, with um, teaching like um, teamwork and problem solving and stuff like that. I think being on a sports team is uh, more useful than algebra. (laughs) That's just me. As far as like problem solving and things like that, that should really be um, a focus for uh, real life experiences for uh, children and just for even teenagers or whatever but um like I didn't play on the sports team but again I was I I was on a dance in a dance company when I was younger and I mean um if if sports and music had a kid it would be dance right because you could think of dance as being a, a sort of sport um as well as relying on rhythm and music and I feel like um even watching um soccer players and basketball players um and football players um there's a rhythm that you kind of have to like follow and go by and like rhythm we're used to hearing it in context of music um because you know duh but also there's a lot of rhythm when it comes to uh having coordination with certain uh sports you know that's really important and i don't know how many people you guys probably know this how many people know this but i've heard that um like kickers and i don't know if it's the same for soccer but i've heard like kickers in football like study ballet some of them mm. you know all that um the, the connection to like your body and and rhythm and and music and things like that and so i think there's a really great i think music and sports are, are like uh, fraternal twins of each other yeah. if that uh Makes sense. Well, no, in NBA games, they purposely play music while they're playing. And there was this one game where it was like the Warriors playing the Nets. And I have this weird memory, so I just remember this random stuff, where they purposely didn't play music the entire game. 
and all the players are just like, what is going on? Like, so weird. they didn't even know how to move anymore. Like, Draymond yeah. Green after the game was like, never let this happen again. <laughs> so if I if I could jump in, Steve, real fast. But yesterday we had a middle school clinic, and Craig Tomlinson, our head coach, <clears throat> runs them through soccer warm-ups, right? And like you said, it's all about rhythm. And some of these kids have no rhythm whatsoever. <clears throat> and we'll stop it, and we'll take jabs here and there. But I was asking Craig in front of the whole group, 40 kids, do you guys have to take a dance class at this school? And they said, yes, we have to take a dance class, but you can also not have to take a dance class if you do a music class. So you're getting rhythm one or the other, but just the synchronization of that rhythm with soccer and sports specific is there is a direct correlation and a direct parallel. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Chad Marshall is one of the most athletic per people I've ever seen. And one of the best dancers I've ever seen mm. at our wedding. Right. He was the first person on the dance floor all night. I mean, yes, he had like nine Long Island iced teas, but he he was the best dancer. He could keep his coordination. Exactly. And it made him a fantastic <laughs> soccer player for so long. I don't know if NBA players would ever admit this, or maybe some of them would, but like yeah. NBA players could easily do ballet. Like I've seen dunks and moves with the amount of body control yeah. and movement while yeah. they're in the air is something a ballerina would do, you know? And it's like, like there, and it's amazing. And you're like, Whoa, like, how do you even do that? You know, like I used to pay, play above the rim back in my good old days, but like, <laughs> you know, I wasn't moving like some of these guys in the NBA, you know, it's crazy. I want to give you guys the floor before um, we wrap this up and to give you the opportunity again, how can we support you? And if there's anything you guys want to say to the listeners that they should know about you, if there's, I don't know where we're at with the phases, if there's any upcoming shows or where you can keep up with you, social media handles, whatever it is, take it away. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. Well, we'll start with our handles because I think it'll be cool to end with how they, you can support all musicians. And yeah. that should be the message you remember the most. Yes. Um, because you can find us through those outlets as well. But uh, yeah, we're the Black Tones and you can find us on Facebook, and Instagram, and Twitter, all under the Black Tones. The Twitter one is like the underscore black underscore tones. <laughs> okay. um, but uh, yeah, and we're on Bandcamp and all those things. I always get so embarrassed talking about where you can find but well, you have to promote this stuff, right? Um, <laughs> Take up space, Eva. Take you know, up space. Like, oh, you find me here, here, here. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, uh, a way that I would say that you could support not just us, but all, all musicians. Um, yeah, streaming music, of course. Uh, musicians don't get a lot with Spotify. I would say visit their band camp and buy directly from them. I feel mm. like that's the most effective way. And um, to, you know, purchase their music because the, then they also could set their own price on their band camp. They know the worth of their of their art. Right. Mm. And or of their product and also buying their merch from them directly. You know, musicians can't tour or anything right now. Um, so, you know, finding live streams and digitally tipping them and things like that. Um, uh, yeah, support um, music venues. So like we have a place to be at afterward. But um, yeah, I think uh, visiting a band's band camp and purchasing music from there to me has proven to be um, the, the most effective and also the most amount of money right now for uh, like small bands like, you know, like us. <laughs> so uh, and shout out to Brad, you and Steve and, and Keely and you guys for giving us this space to, to come on yeah, here and do this you. and and shout out to the Sounders organization for, for you know, 
bringing the, bringing us to the forefront saying, hey, check out this band, the Black Toms. You know, like we are. Forever yeah, they literally could have chose like 20 bands that are more famous than like 200 bands that are more. famous. <laughs> than so thank you, Sounders, for supporting local music. And when all of this opens up and everything's great, we'd love to host you guys at a game. Uh, an actual in-person game would be fantastic as well. And then in return, you can, you can host Brad, Keely and I at one of your shows. That'd be great as well. Dude, Absolutely. if you guys need anyone for your next music video, we're all available. <laughs> well, I do yoga, you know, they play yeah, soccer. Keely awesome. and I can be in the background. Steve wants to perform with you guys. I want to perform. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> just, get, just, just give me 16 bars, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking Brad could play me in the music video since we look exactly alike. <laughs> Perfect. That's what I was thinking. I love, uh, it. I love it. Awesome, guys. Great chatting with you, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, guys. Guys. Awesome. It's going to be a corner for Seattle. Eighth of the night. Apollo's out swinging ball. Lifted in. A free chance and a goal. It's Will Bruin. Bruin's first MLS goal in over a year is a stoppage time equalizer for Seattle. And the Sounders have pulled the rug out from underneath the Timbers. You only need one moment. One touch that matters, and when it comes, do you put it in the back of the net? Yes, he does, and that'll do a lot for his confidence. Important goal for this team as well. We can shift into what's coming up this week. Portland, who I think is a much better team than the Galaxy to me, more solid, well-coached, still have a couple of match winners. Um, I didn't get to see that game at the time of this recording is last night against Club America. Um, I, I struggle with this, the idea, we can probably touch on that in a couple of ways, but is there an advantage that the Sounders will now have having more days rest? Or at times, is it better, especially early in the season, to have more games and get in rhythm where the Timbers had another chance again to figure out some kinks. They come into this game, yeah, you get enough rest, maybe not a week like the Sounders, but I... I see it both ways. I can see, yes, having a week off to train, etc. But I think at this stage of the season, you've played four or five games, not too many miles in your body. Maybe getting the reps in games is actually better going into a derby game, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm going to defer to you guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, look, I, there's no easy answer for this one. I think if you look back, obviously Portland's focus was on, um, on Champions League, right? So they played maybe one or two starters on the weekend. So it's not the typical, like when we used to play Champions League in the summertime, mm -hmm. right? We would play pretty much like a starting lineup all the way yeah. through because yeah. we were trying to get results mid-summer. And now, like you said, you can kind of take chances. You can take an L early in the season at Dallas like they did, not play a couple starters and then put a full effort on a Wednesday yeah. and then still have four days to recover because they don't play until Sunday, right? So really you're playing two games in um, this starting group will now play two games in 10, 11 days, yeah. maybe even longer, right? Almost two weeks. Yeah. That's plenty of time to rest. So it's going to be a full strength team come Sunday, I think, unless somebody got knocked up last night. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a really tough game for the Sounders. It's always a tough game, rivalry game playing at Portland. It wouldn't matter if they put out a second team. Um, it's still going to be a really tough game. Yeah. So goals are going to be hard to come by because I think that their defense is much better than much better than the galaxies. Um, and now they'll have to shake this one off. There's, there's multiple times that the Sounders have exited champions league and come back on the weekend and put in a good performance. Yeah. Those champions, yeah. League, these Mexican league teams are ridiculous. They're Very so good. good. Especially we at talked, home. We've, yeah. yeah. We talked about it in years past. It's like, okay, when is a MLS team going to win? And we always think 
yeah, MLS is making leaps and bounds. And then our thought process is like, oh yeah, Mexico's not doing the same, but no, they're going to South America. Yeah. And instead of getting the 12th guy on the roster, like we are in major league soccer, they're getting the third and fourth guy on the roster because they're paying so much more money. So they are, that, that league is not weakening while we're getting stronger. That's not the case. They are continuing to be, their growth is continuously strong. Um, and ours is exponentially growing, but theirs is growing at their steady pace. Right. And we yeah. just, we just can't keep up. Yeah. Steve, we talked about this on Sunday. You said that the big difference that you notice is one through 11, we can kind of match up, but once you get past that 11, it's the gap just becomes so enormous. Yeah. And especially the timing of when we're playing CCL in our season. I mean, that has to be a big yeah, I think that's the, that's the key. If players 12 through 25 on the squad, on the roster, in Mexico, they're much, much higher quality than the ones in MLS. Um, in world football, I mean, Man City are the best example of this, where they put a different lineup up every game. And they can change 10 guys, 7 guys, and it's not a problem. The level stays the same. Which MLS team has two players of equal quality or close in every position? I don't think even one. No. Mexico are close to that. Where they can make changes, the guy coming in for the other guy might be a starter too. So I think that's where we're still lacking. I mean, that until that's remedied and that's just a huge jump in salary cap, we're nowhere near that. You're not going to compete year in, year out. One-off games, maybe a C, like LAFC got to the final last year. You can have those opportunities, but consistent, regular basis where it's four MLS teams in a semifinal, where it's two MLS teams in a final. Um, we're going to have a long way from that because it's, you just can't build a roster where you're bring, the guy you're bringing off the bench is as good as the guy you're taking off. And you're having to make a choice, sacrifice early MLS season form to do well in CCL. If you want to do well in CCL, you can't do well in MLS. You can't do both still. And those teams are doing both. The best teams in CCL for Mexican teams are also at the top of the league um, in, 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 in Liga MX. So can we list a favorite for a derby game or... Is, is Derby games, I think, favorite tags go out the window or recent form? I don't think it matters, but would you put the Sounders as a slight favorite, especially the start they made to the season? Theoretically, yes. Uh, based on form, standing, yeah. um, and just rest, rested legs, you would think that there's an advantage there. But how many times have you played in a Derby game, in an Open Cup game here, or whenever it is? Could be the first game of the season. Yeah, and we've talked about it in years past. You throw everything out the window. So that, that's a point to it too. Um, does Nico should Nico start? Do you bring him back? I don't think so. I think I think you give him forty five minutes, let Kellen uh, patrol, and then start Christian, and then push Christian back. Put Nico in for forty five minutes if you need to. So ahead of Portland, we've got another game of over under. Uh, it's Trash Talk Thursday, so a couple of these are a little bit trash talky. I'm going to get a little bit sassy. Mm. Uh, but the first one, minutes until first yellow card, and I have it at 30 minutes. Over, no. under. No. Under. Under. Under, under by far. Under 10. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. I was being conservative on that one, but under I 10. Hope so. If it's under 10, it's going to be a good yeah, chance. Yeah, I, I want right? to see that kind of game. I don't want to see any safe play. I want to see a real yeah. rivalry. Christian. Who gets the first yellow card? I said Christian. Or Jao Paulo. <laughs> Um, is, if Ch Diego Chara is fit, then, then Chara, 100%. All right. Uh, Rui Diaz shots on goal uh, over under three. And I looked this up. His average per game versus Portland is just uh, below three. 
So Ruidia shots on goal. I think it'll be under, but I think he'll score. Okay. So one of the one or two of those. I mean, he has like nine or ten goals against Portland. It's ridiculous. So he'll score, but I think he'll maybe only get two shots on goal, but one will be a goal. Yeah, I think shots on goal is different than just shots. Um, I'm going to take the under, but okay. I, imagine him, I imagine him pulling the trigger at least yeah. seven or eight times. Yeah, and he goes for the fantastic right. So it's either in the fifteenth row or it's in the back of net in the top corner. Yeah. All right. Um, total goals is also three, and it's. So over their regular season rivalry, 87 goals has been scored in 29 regular season matches, which also rounds up to about three. So total goals over under three. I think it's going to be right at three, probably. So I, I can see a 3-1 win, which would make it four. But so I'm, I'm going to take the over. I think we'll see a good scoring game. I think it'll be both teams will go for it. I think they'll I'm going to take, take the under. Yeah. I'm going to take right. the under for this one. Early in the season, mm. under. Okay. Um, number of Portland neckbeards in the stands. Oh, 100%. Including women. A ton. Yeah, right? Okay. All right, Keely, hit us. Questions. All right. We've got a couple listener questions. First one is from The Bus. That was his uh, Twitter name. Do players really care what jersey they wear? And I'm curious what your individual favorite jerseys have been as players yeah i mean yeah to an extent like you want something that for me it feels good it looks good the way it fits and things like that is important we had one i think 2010 it had these weird like silver straps on them it was very weird jersey um i don't know what um, um adidas was doing at the time so to get that on and off was weird but yeah then we've had some really good ones you, you can feel a good jersey and then if it's designed well it just adds to it so um yeah i mean i would probably say yeah i can i, I can yeah yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, grow, growing up, my my team was um, basically black and, and and white jerseys. So I've always been partial to like a dark jersey and a super light one. So anytime I put on like a, I don't know, just like a weird color, it just feels weird to me. Uh, like the super cyan, it was like, okay, cool optics from the outside, but I didn't like look down and be like, wow, I look cool today. Yeah. Or I feel confident in this, you know, there are certain jerseys where I look down like, okay, let's go. Right. Yeah. Like all black Jersey or our all rave green or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but there are some colors where you look down and you're like, uh, that's not going to work for me today. Yeah. All right. Um, this one is from me Vita Seattle, uh, which by the way, shout out. He also loves whiskey and we've talked about this on Twitter. So I appreciate you and you have great taste in whiskey, by the way. What is your favorite taco to eat while watching football? And I think he probably sent this while uh, watching CCL last night. Hmm. I'm not the biggest fan of Mexican food. It's weird. Like, I'm not, like, against it. I'm just like, ah. Like, because in England, it wasn't a big thing when I was growing up. Like, we didn't really go to get tacos and burritos and enchilada, all this stuff. Only when I came here. So, and plus, I don't eat meat. So that doesn't help. There you go. So now we're talking about, like, a cauliflower taco. Maybe if I'm feeling devilish that they'll have some shrimp or something but even fish i'm trying to stay away from so i'm not a taco guy i feel like i just would make a terrible taco yeah last night i had fonda la catrina <laughs> in georgetown so yeah. i mean i if there's a good chili verde then i'm on board with it i don't eat that much meat either but it, I'll, I'll sacrifice you know once every couple months to have um that pork chili verde that's it's very rare that there's a good one here. I'm from Phoenix, right? My and yeah, my, exactly. part of my family from New Mexico, so it's like a specific style of Mexican food that does it doesn't exist here. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's actually a good point. And like, I grew up in California, so like. Keen, yeah. what's yours? Any taco that has like chimichurri sauce on it, like a really, really good chimichurri or a really good shrimp taco, which mm. actually the best shrimp tacos I've had out here are from El Camion and they are amazing. So okay. really, okay. really good. Good to know. All right. And last question is from our own Sounder social media, Danny. What's up, bro? Uh, who would Got win? And he's uh, he's actually getting a, he, he, he might cause a little bit of controversy on this one. Who would win in a 90-minute match, 11 Brads or 11 Steves? Well, there would be – that's a great question. I think – well, I concede so many goals, I can't defend. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like – but then I'd score a ton. That's a great question. I don't know. I think, I think if you're thinking logically, it'd be 11 Brads because you can play more – like the right mid-Brad will do a good job, as with the right-back Brad. And then the forward Brad, because he played – he can play all the positions. I was just left mid. And so oh. me at right back, disaster, left back, disaster, but, center back. But disaster. think about four Steves in the back. And it's, you know, when, like, <laughs> you know, when Neo goes to fight all the, like, whatever they were. It's just like and it's just feeding all one after the another. It's like once you beat one Steve, there's another Steve right there. Then you beat another, there's another one right there. Like you never, that's you, never true. Get, you never actually get to goal. That's, that's the true. Yeah. Re- re- recovery speed. That's a, that's a great, I don't know. That's a great okay. That's tough this, though, right? This past yeah. weekend, I played um, in goal 5v5 competition <laughs> day for a high school team. Uh-huh. I'm telling you, and I know that some of these guys listen to this. And actually, it was unbelievable how good I was. <laughs> like, we, should, we should have, honestly, you should put Craig on here. It, it was unreal. I mean, I'm talking like all the way down to my right, pushing the ball past the post, kick save <laughs> off my hand, off the post, and I would get up and just scream. And Craig brings a group in. And he's like, "All right, what changed when Brad was in there?" Okay, kids say organization, talking, yeah. communication, right? Yeah. But then one kid was like, "Passion," and everyone just started laughing. But it's like it comes out when you start playing, dude. It was unreal. I love that. Um, but what I would say is, eleven Steves and eleven Brads would both be eleven Dannys. So it would be 22 days, maybe even 33, adding 11, keep adding 11. All All right. right. That's all I got for you guys. Yes. Sounders Portland, ABC, 12 o'clock this Sunday, 12 o'clock down in Portland. Um, Of course, cheer on the boys, listen on the radio. Keith and Casey will bring you that call. It's a big one. I'm excited for it. Still the biggest rivalry in MLS. Um, two really, really stand-up franchises and always usually put on a show. So we're looking forward to that. And we'll be back next week, next Thursday. Um, thanks again to the Black Tones for joining us. Fantastic. Check out their music by the Bandcamp if you haven't already done so. And we'll be back next week to recap, hopefully, a Sounders win against the Portland Timbers to continue this great start to the season. This has been Side by Side. We'll talk to you soon. Perfect. This is a fun one. This is going to be good. That was fun. Yeah. This was was really fun. fun.